everyone, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian, and joining me, as always, is your co-host, Hunter. What's going on, everybody? Good morning here and good afternoon in England. Yeah, we do have a guest joining us from Winchester, England, is the developer Hi. and creator of Soul Trader, Chris Parsons. Welcome, Chris. Hi, everybody. It's great to be here. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Uh, I, my brain is melting. You've been on the show, I believe, one other time before this. That's right. Yeah, but, I've been there before. Yeah, and uh, I think at that point the Kickstarter was wrapping up. Yeah, I'm trying to remember when it was. It was at least a year, a year and a half ago, I think. And so the game was very different. Like, I think it was, I think it was just a space part. Yeah, in fact, to be honest, the game has been completely rewritten since that point. I don't think there's a line of code from that build that actually made it into the final release. Oh my god. So I rewrote the whole thing in 18 months. It was a, it was a big job, but it was worth it. Oh my god, you were, okay, well, we'll, we'll get to that. So, uh, yeah. for folks who maybe don't know what Soul Trader is or haven't played it or, or whatnot, could you give like the elevator pitch as to what Soul sure, Trader yeah. is? Yeah. So Soul Trader is a game that's all about people. Ultimately, it's all about people and relationships. So a lot of people, when they come to look at it first time, they say, Oh, it's a space game. I can fly around. I can travel between planets. I can trade mission, maybe do missions. I could trade goods. I could maybe do some mining, that kind of thing. And all of those gameplay elements are definitely there. Uh, but what's interesting about it is the way that you do that. So everything that happens in the game happens through the different AI characters that the game creates. So these characters are, uh, have 200 years worth of procedural history and society behind them, which means that they all have parents, uncles, aunts, grandparents, you know, dodgy relatives, you know, girlfriends, boyfriends, enemies, <laughs> friends. And you have to kind of interact and get to know all these different characters in order to trade and mine and, and run a mission. So it's all about the people and the relationships. That's the focus of the game. And, and I want to talk about how all that works because, yeah, when, when guys, when you load up a game, you actually watch it create all these relationships and all these people. Like you watch it create your all these people and then you get to choose your parents, which huh, wouldn't that be nice if, that how, if that's how it actually worked. <laughs> sure. But you get to choose your parents, and the stuff that their parents can be is all over the place. And I kind of love how, like, you've factored in, like, you can have parents that have had you as part of an affair, which yeah, I, which, that's right. which I think is kind of hilarious. I've never actually done that, but I want, I kind of am interested yeah. to see if that causes like strife. It isn't very pretty, <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> it, you know, the game that was almost a glorious accident because I added the ability to have affairs into the game, and then suddenly these guys were popping up as as eligible parents for your for your you know for you to be born <laughs> i was like oh wow that's interesting well it's wonder what happens there and then it just it usually goes pear shape depends it depends if they get caught and um unfortunately if they have a baby that the chance of that are higher so so uh, it, it tends to kind of wreak havoc on on both sets of families uh, it's kind of interesting to watch and quite sad in some ways you sometimes see into the whole kind of mix. So, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. That was an interesting uh, kind of emergent gameplay feature. Yeah, because, huh. yeah, because I, I, I almost took a set of parents that had an affair, but I, I couldn't bring myself to do them. Like, that just sounds <laughs> so sad. I want to give this, this avatar yeah. of mine a good upbringing, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I haven't. Cause you could end up, you could end up being like a Ramsey Bolton if you're, you know, from an affair and then you're just some, evil corrupt child who's trying to take over yeah. everything and 
Yeah, that's pretty much what happens. So the um, what happens to your character feeds into your stats, which then feeds into what happens. So uh, what can happen is that if your character takes hits to certain stats because uh, people uh, find out about stuff and, and therefore you get depressed or whatever, then you can turn to a life of crime or, uh, you know, whatever. It's It's kind of interesting to see what happens to characters when that happens. Nice. Yeah, I kind of love how that's an option. Like my, I, every time I play a game, I'm always it's always like an extension of myself. So I have a hard time like joining the Dark Brotherhood and stuff like that. Yeah, sure, like I want to be sure. a goody goody. Uh, <laughs> so when I saw that you can like go to a small crime family and do jobs for them, it's like no, I yeah, can't yeah. bring myself to do it. But I love that that's an option. Now, can you like get wrapped up in a in like a, a crime syndicate family type thing is that a possibility absolutely yeah yeah so it's quite possible to be born into a family of criminals and you know pretty much run missions for them all your life i'm not Space sure how long that life fellas. will be yeah it, it's entirely possible because the game is all based around that network of relationships those kind of stories just kind of pop out of the game now, nice. now i'd love to talk about how those relationships were built like how does the engine build all these interpersonal relate because that is basically yes there's space flight and stuff but when you get down to it like you said this game is about managing relationships with other people yeah. and so how yeah. does the game put all that together like how does it sure. cross all the t's and dot all the i's like that that's just so, just watching it i'm sorry just watching it in the initial stages of the game where you're choosing your parents and you're making your choices as to how your life goes out, just watching all these people come together is just fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of depth in there that people haven't seen yet. So uh, the the about that we're able to show on the screen at once is probably, it's a bit like an iceberg. There's a tiny fraction of what's actually going on under the hood uh, on display sometimes. And um, part of what I'm still doing to the game, it's been released, but it's, it, you know, something I'm still working on is making that information more and more visible so that people can see kind of more about the kind of underlying mechanics. But the way it works is, is fundamentally it uses a concept from psychology that I borrowed called proxemics, which is the idea of personal space. So it's like a, it's like a, a part of psychology. So every character keeps an ordered list of all the people in its life. And uh, the people at the top of the list are kind of like their most intimate friends or maybe a couple or whatever. And then then outside that, they have maybe three or four personal friends, like close friends. And then on the outside of that, they have social uh, kind of social relationships. And on that, they have the people they know. So um, that goes up to about 25 people. Um, now, the interesting thing is if somebody pops in as a personal friend, that automatically means that somebody else pops off the list because it's an ordered list. Uh, which means that they suddenly become less close to someone because of that. You can only have a finite limit of friends. You can't have everyone in the world as your personal friends. So, so that that constraint kind of drives all of the different relationships uh, that happen. And and what happens is that if you fall too far down the list with say your spouse, then you've got a divorce on your hands, for example. Um, so you end up with with uh, parents that neglect their children. You know, they they they're traveling a lot with work. They're, they meet a lot of different people. The children pop down the list and the children get upset and resentful at them. And then that drives other events. So so that kind of list of relationships ordered from top to bottom is, is in terms of closeness is how the, the fundamentals of the relationship system works. Yeah, that's that's freaking crazy because because the amount of people you run into in this game is just amazing. And it's like amazing, like. You got missions. The the missions that drive me the most crazy. I'm going to be honest with you, are the ones where I had to find a friend of someone. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. my Some god. Some people love those though. Some people love those because it's it's time to play detective. It right? is, yeah. but at the same time, it's like you have to find all like that one random person on that one bar and that one moon that will point you oh, in yeah. the right direction. It's like ah, 
But I, I, I love that's, that's what it takes. True. I love that's yeah, what it that, takes. that is absolutely true. I'm working on ways of making that slightly less, uh, I don't know, painful, I guess. So, <laughs> so one of the things that I'm adding to the game really soon, I'm just in the middle of reworking the whole conversation system. There's a whole new uh, conversation engine that I'm uh, is out on closed beta at the moment. And uh, it's uh, it's pretty cool. I'm 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 excited to be able to talk about it um, in a minute if you're interested. But um, the way that that works is uh, you'll be able to ask someone, "Do you know this person?" Or more crucially, "Do you know somebody who knows them?" So you know, were they mentioned in conversation? So you can try and find you know people who are kind of connected by a, by a second degree almost. Which you know, in this game, there are you say there are a lot of people. There are about a thousand to fifteen hundred people alive at any one time. But given the kind of laws of separation, six degrees of separation, you should be able to find someone who's kind of knows someone who knows someone. Uh, so, so therefore, you know, every character or many, many characters in the game should be able to give you a lead uh, to find somebody now. So if I, if I can kind of make it a little bit easier to find just someone who knows them, then, then we should have a bit more of a game where it comes to the detective stuff on our hands rather than just randomly turning up to everybody and asking them because that could take two days, you know. Right. Yeah. And let's talk about that new engine because a lot yeah. of this game is conversations with other people, either trying yeah. to get a job or trying to buy a ship or trying to find a person or, or whatnot. So the conversations are very, very important. And yeah, it, they are. it's kind of fascinating to see how much I love the, the, the patience meter. That, that's one yeah. thing I, lo- I love is kind of how you measure how open they'll be mm-hmm. to talk to you is how much patience they have for you. And some people, sure. some people think you're great and have tons of patience for you. And some people think you're a total dick and have no yep. patience for you. So first, yep. let's first, uh, talk about, if you could, the new conversation system. And then let's talk about how patience works. Sure. Yeah. So patience has been merged with the relationship stat or relationship opinion. Oh. It worked really well as a kind of constraint, but what we were finding is that if given enough time, you can, you know, and, and enough patience of your own to kind of work with a character, you can pretty much buff yourself in their in their estimation to like 100% in every stat, and that didn't seem very realistic. The idea that you can kind of boast about your exploits until you kind of got to the point where you know they thought you were pretty much god on earth, you know. So, and that that you can't, you know, you could do that for everybody, and and that was a bit limiting. So what we've done is merge that patience. Uh, stat with the relationship, uh, the relationship opinion. So, so that means that, you know, when you get to know them at first, you have a little bit of relationship with them. And, uh, then when, uh, you start talking about different things, uh, that, that will then move your patients, uh, move your kind of relationship, uh, up with them. And then if you start boasting about yourself, that moves it down. So you, they might think you're more impressive or a better pilot or a moral person, but they're going to get pretty tired of you talking about yourself all the time. Uh, so that's one major change. So you can't have both. You can't be uh, someone who is considered to be you know, their best friend and also someone who talks about themselves all the time. The other thing that I've added is instead of um, the way that patience works currently, I've added the concept of topics into the conversation. So you might talk about business or politics or talk about people or talk about families or uh, good things that have happened and things like that. And what you do is you have to try now to match whatever they're talking about with what you're talking about. So a little bit like a match three game where you add, um, you know, you say something and it adds a couple of topics into the mix and then they say a couple of things and that adds a couple more topics if you can match what they're saying then that gives you a bonus so it allows you to talk for longer and they'll like you more um and basically um when you're 
kind of bar fills up when you you haven't been able to match as many things the conversation's over you've run out of time so that kind of gives you a bit more of a game uh, kind of choosing the right thing to say to give them the right opinion of you but also not to kind of screw it up so that you're talking about random stuff and they're just like what who is this guy you know he's talking about he's talking nonsense so so that's that's a new innovation which I'm just testing at the moment and it's, it's going to go out for close beta sometime hopefully tomorrow oh i like it cuz that sounds like a more natural conversation actually exactly. like a more yeah, conversation before you're just clicking on button after button after button to kind of exactly. increase your yeah. relationship with someone whereas and he didn't really care what you were saying and now it's like oh he likes shit he likes talking about ships or he likes talking about uh people let's talk let's talk about some of that and let's throw in throw in something that makes me look good and he'll be like oh yeah that's cool and then he talks about his friend and you think oh i know something about his friend if i mention that and about the fact that he likes ships as well that'll give me another bonus so there's a real back and forth now that just wasn't there before uh, which is really exciting. I'm, uh, this is it's just coming together, and I'm really pleased with how it's coming out. Now I have to say it's very impressive because a lot of developers don't give as much post-release love to their game as you've been giving it. Um, so first, I want to ask: Do you do this full time? Is this your full time gig, developing? No, sadly not. I wish it was, but I, I have a couple of other things I do to kind of pay the bills, and this is kind of something that that I do as much as I can. Um, I would. I would love to get to the point where I was able to sustain myself uh, writing games, but I'm not quite there yet. Um, but um, but yeah, so I, I work on this uh, several days a week um, during the day, but it's not a full time gig. Hopefully, it will be. Now you now we were talking a little bit before the show, and I said I wanted to talk about this. You develop primarily on a Mac. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, which is which, like we were saying, is the opposite of what we of the the style we usually talk about. So. One, I'd like to talk about why, maybe why you chose a Mac, and two, what kind of, like, does that offer any maybe hurdles or benefits that PC, developers on a PC might not encounter? Sure. So, uh, why did I develop on a Mac? Because I prefer working with Macs. Uh, I prefer the hardware and I prefer the tools um, that you get. I prefer Xcode to Visual Studio. Uh, I, I'm a Vim user, so I write all my code in Vim, so actually that doesn't matter either way. But um, in terms of Macs, I've been using Macs for a number of years, and I just prefer the build quality of the machines. They are more expensive, but but they tend to last for a long time, um, and I just I just prefer them. I'm, I'm kind of done. I used to spend lots of time tinkering with hardware and swapping in and out graphics cards and CPUs, and I'm kind of done with that almost. I just want something that works so I can write games. So that's kind of the choice of a Mac. Uh, the problems with that um, uh, mostly is around tooling and, and what people are used to. So... Uh, you know, early on in development through four years ago, I was pretty naive and thought, oh, we'll just work on Windows. I don't need to do that much testing on Windows. And that was terrible because, you know, Windows is very different to Mac and, and you do need to do quite a lot of testing to make sure it works. And there are little kind of nuances that don't work so well and 32-bit versus 64-bit Windows and all of that. So so it does take a a, a fair amount of time to port, but but it's still worth developing on a Mac. And, and I've been doing some research about how to architect a game so that it works seamlessly across as many platforms as you like. And, and that was the key thing for me. So there's a, a podcast series called Handmade Hero by a guy called Casey Muratori, who worked on The Witness. Uh, he's pretty well known. And uh, that podcast series was a, a real kind of eye opener to me. That's actually the reason that I rewrote the game code from scratch, just because he showed a better way of writing games, uh, which if you're going to write your own engine, that's the way to do it. So I went for that and um, pretty much rewrote the game progressively over about six months. So, you know, pulled out the internals and, and replaced them. That's interesting. Uh, our other co-host, Jim, often talks about the handmade hero guy sure. and yeah. how, how he's been impressed with just that whole, like, here, I'm just going to show you 
how to do it. So that's, yeah. that's really yeah. cool. Yeah. If you've got a spare three, four hundred hours, I'd highly recommend you watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it is literally that long. You know, you have to. You know, I, what I what I do because I'm I'm a coder anyway. I don't need to follow along everything he says. I just need to get a general sense of what he's working on. Um, I I do the dishes and I put it on in the background. Um, and um, kind of listen along, and because uh, he's saying, "Oh yeah, I'm going to refactor this system and make it to that system." I don't need to always see what he's typing, but I get to kind of get a sense of what he's up to, and and that kind of gives me some architecture stuff. Um, um, uh, oh, I was going to say, have you ever thought about doing your own kind of like handmade hero stuff, or were you would you ever consider maybe? Because uh, I know they have the um, the the live coding website now, similar to Twitch or YouTube. There's actually yeah. like a live coding site. Have you ever thought about doing any of that yourself? Uh, yeah, I'd love to do that. I did do some live streaming a little while back and uh, got a little bit of a following, but but um, it, it's a real kind of uh, prioritization difficulty because I really wanted to ship a game, and you know, in order to kind of go into the live streaming and do that more, I found that I was uh, uh, getting more into the kind of the streaming as a thing rather than the actual writing the game and the game was suffering because of it. So I actually need just to focus on one thing and get the game done. I think now that the game is, is out and I'm working, I'm still working on it, but um, it's less of a kind of pressure for a deadline. Uh, I, I consider it a bit more, but um, to be honest, you know, I, I'm not sure I, I would be able to, to put something out there the same kind of quality as Casey's done, but, but I'd certainly be interested in, in looking into it. I've, I've thought about, Maybe writing a book about game development as well, uh, perhaps some, you know, an introductory one in JavaScript or something. So, so those kind of ideas of teaching and training and uh, something that's in the back of my mind certainly. No, that sounds fascinating. So, wait, you built the engine for this, the whole engine? Yeah, the whole engine from scratch in C and OpenGL. I'm using OpenGL and I'm using uh, SDL for the kind of cross-platform bits and pieces, uh, but everything else is written in C. Oh my God. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty, I mean, given the amount of data you're clearly juggling in this thing with all the relationships, it runs really well. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a bit of an effort to make that happen. But because it's in raw scene, you don't have to worry about an engine getting in the way. Uh, you can just optimize like crazy. You know, you can really kind of uh, go hard at the stuff that is slow. Um, now, it is a kind of annoying. Sometimes it'd be nice just to have a GUI that's functional. I don't have to go write my own animation system for it. But, but, um, but in some ways, that's fun. I enjoy that that stuff. So it keeps me motivated, you know, having to write code that does fade and transition effects and things like that. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's it's something that when you write to the metal, you can optimize. You can really go after the the thing. When you're with an engine, at some point, you just can't do anymore. It just kind of stops and you're at the engine level of the engine. I mean, sometimes you have the source code, but it, it's just hard to get into the into the kind of metal of it. Whereas if you'd written the entire thing from scratch, you have the option, you know how it works. You know, you might have forgotten, but at least you can go and figure out what you did and go and fix it. You know, and you also have no one else to blame. You know, if, if a subsystem is slow, you have, you know, you're the guy who wrote it. You have to go fix it. <laughs> Now we've talked about a lot of the interpersonal stuff, but let's talk about more of the uh, the the space simmy stuff that more people are used to. So, like, my favorite thing about any kind of space game are the missions, and this game has quite sure. a bit of missions. Let's talk about like, yeah. like I think I've seen maybe about half a dozen mission types, from uh, yeah. delivering yeah. a package to finding a person, yeah. uh, that sort of thing. So, what are the mission types, and are you planning to add more at any point? Sure. So there are some other mission types that you'll have, you may not have run into. Uh, so there's some assassination missions, some good old I want this guy dead missions. Uh, they're quite hard to find because uh, people don't tell you about those. 
until you get to know them really well. Uh, so, so the reason that uh, you don't see so many at the beginning is because they're just not talking. Um, you know, you haven't got onto the dark web yet or whatever. Wow. <laughs> so, um, so there's those. There's also secret gifts. Politicians love those. There are a few kind of high level secret missions. Like, um, I just want, I want you to get this, this, um, this package over to this person. I don't want you to tell anyone I'm doing it. You know, and you kind of think, and they're all generated from relationships. So you're thinking, are they having an affair? Is this like some kind of dodgy deal that's going on? You just don't know. But if it gets out and you can tell people, then um, it goes badly for those people. So there's that whole kind of uh, that element there. But they're kind of hidden, so you don't tend to see them. In terms of new missions I've got planned, yes, absolutely. I was hoping to get a whole slew of new missions in, mostly around people's jobs and what they do for a living, uh, for 1.1, which is due next month or this month. But I think actually it's going to slip to 1.2, which is probably going to be sometime in September. Uh, so, But I, I, I'm definitely planning more missions, more color, more flavor, more theme, all of that stuff's going in. That, that's awesome because I, I really – even though some of the the find the people mission was driving me mad, I love that that's kind of an option. And yeah, I, yeah. I love that you can do like a detective story to find this person. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, I I really didn't dabble in this, but does the game um, have like a trading element as well? Like, could you trade commodities yeah. back and forth, like like a more typical space game as well? Yeah, absolutely. So you can uh, trade gold is the best thing to trade at the moment. I probably shouldn't have said that on the stream, should I? But um, there um, spoiler alert. But uh, there's there's gold, there's there's uh, various types of metals, aluminium, titanium, uh, things like that. There's also uh, water, food, clothing, medicines, all of that kind of stuff too. And uh, what I've tried to do is build that into the relationship side of things. So you don't just go to London and trade metal. You oh, go right, to, yeah. So someone yeah. is like looking for a thing for their job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that. So you, that go to, you go to kind of, I don't know, Rob who works in accounts at some factory and you, you ship him a bunch of aluminium. And that makes him happy, right? So that he means he's more likely to trust you with something else. So, so yeah, it's almost mission-based, the trading. Um, although you can just simply go up to the market and just trade if you want to make money that way. I think that's why it didn't stick in my brain because just about every other space game when you're trading, it's like, I'm going to buy this at the commodities market and sell it at the commodities market at Station B and then buy it. Yeah, yeah. But with, with this game, it's like, I'm going to buy this at the commodities market and then find a person on this planet who wants it. I'm going to sell it to Joe who works over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, and while I'm there, I need to help him out with his sister or something like that, you know. So there's a whole thing. So when you, when you talk about these different um, – these different elements. Obviously, we have careers, and and the people are a big deal. So you can, I'm, I haven't gotten far enough into it myself, but you can, uh, you can work your way up through, like a family. Is that? Yeah, you can work your way up through a career. So you can take a job as a lowly cleaner in an organization and work your way up to senior manager if you want to. Um, or you can take a job as a political assistant in a in a government building and work your way up to senator or even president, actually. Um, I would say that that part of the game needs a bit more development. There's, um, it's quite possible to get a promotion by basically sweet talking your boss. Uh, but there isn't, there isn't so much you can do right now as part of taking that career. So that's something I definitely want to, uh, where I want to expand on the missions. And, um, the, I've got some other ideas about how I'm going to improve that side of the game too. But, but it's definitely possible at the moment. It's just a bit spartan in terms of gameplay. Now, is that does that affect like um, economy? Now, what I mean by that is like own ownership. So, like as you, as you work your way up, does it mean like you can like say this station belongs to this family? Does that then become yours, or like how does that? Sure, yeah. So, in terms of ownership, the only thing you can own right now is ships. 
Um, at this point, I should probably say that I am planning DLC for the game, <laughs> and that kind Ooh. of thing would be would be a cool addition. Um, at the moment, my, I'm very much focused on you know kind of filling in the gaps in terms of some of the gameplay. But once that's that's done, assuming that the game continues to do well, then I will definitely be adding to the game as I go forward. I, I'm not, I haven't got any plans to stop right now. Nice. Wait, so now that you've let the cat out of the bag with the DLC, what is going to be part of this DLC? Now, now that you've mentioned it, we got to talk about it. <laughs> so uh, I don't have, I have some ideas. I don't have any vague plans yet. Uh, sorry, I don't have any concrete plans yet. I have some vague ideas. Uh, but um, it, things around ownership is one of those things I'd love to explore. So I'm going to talk. I'm going to talk very high level, if that's okay. Uh, sure. Ownership is definitely something I want to explore. I want to explore different um, career types. I'd love to explore the idea of alien influences. Let me just leave it at that. But um, there, there is definitely an extraterrestrial component in the game that has not yet been realised. Uh, so uh, that's it's hinted at in the in the current game, but it's not. Uh, it's not actually uh, there yet. So so that's something that I'd love to see fleshed out a bit more. Um, maybe different places. There's a few different ideas there that I've got. Um, and uh, but but kind of for me, it'll be around those. It'll be uh, it'll be the obvious stuff that people um, often will see in a game like Crusader Kings. So extra, you know, customizing features and extra kind of skins and extra faces and um, things like that. But also and extra ships. But there will also be some kind of bigger thematic uh, additions. Uh, assuming that I get that far with the game and it continues to do well, then I will um, I will be looking to add some bigger expansions later on. So, like, you can maybe own stations and stuff like yeah. that, and maybe have your own market and stuff. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Ownership is something I'm I'm thinking about for sure. Oh. Yeah, I can't promise it, but it's definitely something I'd like to look into. I have some other ideas for a kind of follow-on sequel set in the same kind of i set in the same kind of world as well. But I'm I, that's all I'm going to say about that at the moment. Um, so I, there's lots of ideas, lots of scope for improvement, lots of lots of kind of future in in the universe uh, should it you know, continue to do well. Now, I, I got to talk about the road to Steam because it was a long road. It was, it was yeah. a very long road to Steam. I mean, you had the Kickstarter, which, if I remember incorrectly, was successful. Um, and then you did a, basically a private beta for a long time. Yeah, so um, uh, it was in terms of releasing on Steam or in terms of getting through Greenlight, which do you mean? So uh, cut out just from. Oh, that's weird. Can you hear me now? Right. Yeah, I can May... hear you. <laughs> Make sure you use your push to talk there, Brian. I am using the the push to talk. Okay. <laughs> um, maybe I wasn't. Cause... Could you repeat? Yeah, repeat the question, and I'll. Uh, I'll so it. let's talk about the road to green, to uh, Steam because it took a while. Not only, I mean, you did get on green light. So, yeah. but that was awesome. But I was talking about even after that, you didn't go right to Steam. You kind of kept it in like, if I remember correctly, you kept it like in a private beta yeah, for a while. Right. Yeah. So I, I decided not to do early access. I, I took some advice from the industry people and they said early access is, is a bit, um, it can be very kind of a double-edged sword. So I was a bit wary of it, but, but in hindsight, probably should have done it, but you never figure out these things until later. <laughs> but, um, well, it's, but yeah, so I, it's, you know, it's a double edged sword in so many ways. Like, um, the Soren Johnson, the guy who made, uh, Offworld Trading Company, he had yeah. an 18 month, 
uh, early access period, which was great in a lot of ways because they learned a lot about their game. It helped their game turn out. Have you played Offworld Trading Company at all? No, it, it's thing. so good. But um, the one of the downsides that he couldn't have foreseen that no one really thought about is that he got all this press when it came into early access. But yeah, when exactly. the when the game finally hit like 1.0, no one cared apparently. Like no right. one, right. no one gave a crap. Right. So yeah, there are lots of like it's kind of quaint that a game isn't in early access. You know, like it just kind of yeah, hits. yeah. It's kind of nice actually. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, it didn't. Um, to be honest, it hit, but I'm I felt like I screwed up the launch. I have to say. Um, which is kind of an interesting. I wrote a, an article which was actually pretty popular on Gamma Sutra about, about that was how, a great article. Uh, I do I do want to talk about that, but keep going. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So yeah, it was a long road. I decided to go for the for the Kickstarter enabled uh, private beta, which in hindsight uh, probably wasn't the right avenue to market for me. So so Kickstarter was great, and the, and the the quality of um, I guess purchaser or customer you get on Kickstarter is second to none. You know, they are really great people. They're always so encouraging. You know, they're like, Hey, you know, keep going. You're doing brilliantly. As long as you kind of are cool and give regular updates and things like that, then they're really good. You know, I was really pleased with how that went in terms of my Kickstarter backers because I first time around, I, I didn't make it on Kickstarter. I think when I last came onto the podcast, I that that Kickstarter actually failed, but the second one I did in September uh, last year worked fine. So, so yeah, they were great people. They, supported me all the way through so that was brilliant however what i found is that they're a little bit uh, time poor so they didn't always so some of them were great but but uh, i didn't find i got some such good testing beta feedback from the kickstarter guys as, as i probably would have done from i'm the Steam gu- I'm, gu- I'm guilty of that i'm sorry well <laughs> uh, yeah everyone everyone i've spoken to about it says oh yeah i backed you and i didn't test it and then and you know there was no obligation to test right it wasn't like you have to so I think maybe when you when you buy an early access game, you've bought it already, you kind of think, well, it's there, I'm going to play it. And I think maybe there's something about the play now, ask questions later, uh, you know, Steam audience, which which will actually play the game and give feedback. So so I found that I got all of that feedback when I launched the game. <laughs> you know, I got a whole bunch of people playing it. I had stacks of people playing it, and they were like, hang on, what about this problem? What about this problem? And I was like, oh, my goodness, there are so many issues with this game, which because I hadn't quite got the pool of beta testers I was hoping I might have at that point. Um, I just assumed everyone was playing the game and they were fine. Whereas actually, I think actually that no one was playing the game. So, um, so therefore that assumption kind of led me to, uh, to ship something that was perhaps not as high quality as it could have been. So, so I got a lot of steam feedback, some, some great comments, some great, again, some really uh, high quality people in the community really giving me some great feedback. But a lot of people who were just like, this game sucks. It, you know, it crashes and then they quit, leave a negative review and I'm screwed, you know. So, so that I had quite a bit of that, uh, early on in the launch. And, and, uh, if I had, uh, I guess read the steam audience a bit better than I wouldn't have had that. And, uh, you know, that's, that's just something I've got to learn. I've got to, uh, pick myself up and move on. But you have turned that around because I'm looking at the, the, I'm looking at the steam page right now and it says mostly positive. Yeah. Most of the reviews, because yeah. I remember when you launched, it was there were a lot of negative reviews, like you said. Yeah. But but now yeah. that seems to have changed, and the majority yeah, of the reviews true. are pretty positive. So how did yeah. you how did you turn that around? That's just pure graft, I have to say. It was just getting on the community and answering every post within five minutes. <laughs> you know, seriously, and just saying, yeah, really sorry, know about that one, fixing that one, and then also uh, I released one build a day for ten days straight. Um, weekends included. So I just went for it. Um, now they were small builds, some of them, and some of them were only like an hour's work. So like on a Sunday, I, I, I queued up a few builds on Saturday and Sunday so I could sort of take some time off with my family. But, 
but um but yeah i was i was releasing a build a day and um you know even just releasing when you when you're kind of in that position where you're you're kind of down on on the rope slightly and people are kind of beating up on your game you have to just the only way out of that is regular updates preferably through code you know um so it's much better to i think if you're in that position i don't i'm not a big fan of crunch or or regular builds but but i just had to get something out every day to show that i was working on it you know and i, I that was the best way i knew to to show people that i meant business and i was going to stick around so i went for it and did that for 10 days and then once that was over i couldn't sustain that for more than 10 days to be honest and by then it was pretty stable i was like okay now there's some big there are three big pieces i need to fix one of them was a map and i think you were the one who shouted the loudest for that but, um, <laughs> Yes, probably. <laughs> yeah, pretty loud, pretty loud. Sorry. Um, on your on your live streams, I remember <laughs> they were pretty painful to watch. I have to say, I was oh. like, no, not that direction, no, that's the wrong. Oh, anyway, but um, but anyway, you know, but you know, that's not that's not your fault. That's my fault. You know, there's no map in the game, which is a stupid thing to to miss out. So, so I I just assume people would look on Wikipedia and figure out where all the planets were. You know, I figured that people would just do that, but no. But anyway, um, <laughs> not a good assumption. So. So, yeah, so uh, so I got to the end of the, that kind of crunch 10 days and then I was like, OK, this is exactly when the builds are going to come out. You know, I'm going to I'm going to release I'm going to work on these three things. It's going to be out at this time. And people are like, cool, that's fine. You know, take take some time, get a build done, take six weeks and get a new build out. So so I think just brilliant communication that's rapid, responding immediately and just getting getting bugs fixed is the only way you just got to relentlessly show up in the community and keep on doing that. You know, I, I'm a bit guilty. I haven't been back for a week, but I'm, uh, and I haven't posted an update. But I, you know, I've got to, I've got to keep doing that. Um, got to keep posting the updates. Got to keep telling people what's happening and what's coming. It's, it's interesting you mentioned the, the whole update thing because I don't know if other developers realize this, but like, if you see, because you get eventually, you just gain so many games on Steam, you just mm, you lose yeah. you lose sight of them, you know. But one thing mm. I do is every day I check that update list in Steam, like what's downloaded a new update. And it's like Christmas, right. like, oh, I own that game. And it's got an update. <laughs> what's the update? I should play it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so frequent updates at the beginning is good, right? Yeah, well, in general, like regular yeah. updates is, is is a good thing, I think, because like like another, the other day, like Catacomb Kids, some, some uh, roguelike that I forgot I bought like a year and a half ago. Like, oh, that has an update. I haven't played that in a while. Let's check it out. Mm-hmm. Oh, I still cool. die in two minutes. Okay. Well, <laughs> at least I got an update. So, yeah, yeah. So I can see how that be one way to increase visibility is to mm. do updates. Mm. That's true. I think you have to balance that about against ability. So with my updates, right. it's purely bug fixing. Right. You don't want to do like a tiny itty bitty like too no, because right. then you lose people's people just stop looking. People say, "Oh yeah, it's updated again." It must have had loads of bugs, you know. <laughs> so, so there's a kind of sense where the next update will be a big one. That'll happen. I was hoping uh, it would be in July, but um, you know, I think it's because I'm on holiday. I need to take some time out with my family, so um, I'm probably gonna I'm not gonna release and then go away. I think that would be a mistake. So I'm gonna release the day I come back. Well, I think one of the great things you've been doing, and I think a lot of people appreciate this. Is I think it's one of the re- ways you turned uh, the reviews around is that you've been very transparent. Like that article you you mentioned that you wrote about your launch. You've been very transparent about look, I want to get this out this, but you know, I gotta have some time with my family, so it might be a little bit delayed. Yeah. Like that is. It's like a lot of developers don't seem to get that that kind of transparency is insanely important 
mm. in in maintaining a positive relationship with your community and your and your your buyers and your fans and whatnot. And you've been doing, I gotta yeah. say, you've been doing a very good job of maintaining Thank that you. transparency. Yeah, it's so important, I think. Otherwise, people don't know what you're doing. They assume you're off with their money doing something exactly. fun. Exactly. And you're, you've got a full product, you know, and, and, and that's no good. So that's not good for people. So, And ultimately, you know, if I don't say, hey, I'm taking two weeks out now, I'm not doing anything on this game for two weeks, people appreciate that because I think that they know that otherwise I'm just going to crash and burn. You know, I'm not going to be able to sustain this now. Exactly. Um, like people say, like, oh, like, he needs two weeks, but he needs some sleep. He needs good. time with his family. <laughs> he needs people time never with mind. his family. Never mind. Well, if they do, then they're idiots, right? Yeah, that's, <laughs> no, that's just, not the kind of people you want to talk to. That's not fair. Yeah, exactly. That's just not fair on people. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I'm in here for the long haul. I want to keep working on this game. If I work, you know, three months straight without a day off, then I'm gonna not going to be working on it for very long, and people aren't going to get the game that they want. So, you know, it's the only way to do it is at a sustainable pace. And and again, I think a lot of developers kind of don't get that because I see, I see some developers that they'll barely post anything. You know, yeah. like they'll barely post any kind of news, though they won't be on their Steam forums very much, and people get frustrated. And I see yeah. people like you that respond regularly to the questions that are very open about the, mm. the challenges they face and about what they want to do, and people really respond well to that. It's it yeah. seems like such a simple thing. It's it's got to, it's time consuming and exhausting, I'm sure. But yeah, that's that's the offset. I mean, that that's the cost. I mean, it's it's essential. I think you can't avoid it, but. But a lot of people just want to be coding and want to be developing. But ultimately, you know, if you neglect your community and you work, you know, two months solidly on your game and you go, hey, by the way, I did something cool. Everyone, no one cares anymore. Right. Exactly. You know, so you can't you can't do that because they're already annoyed. You know, they're not going to they're not going to come around at that point. Whereas if you spend the time telling them what's happening and keep on talking, even if you even if you have to say, look, I'm sorry, it's going to be a bit later. If, just telling people that's all you need to do. Yeah. You know, you're fine. Exactly. That's that's what I know. A lot of coders are great with making games and coding and fixing, but they're not so great with marketing and community yeah. outreach. Yeah, sure. And it's tough. Yeah. Even with my blog, sometimes I'll like I see something on like I even with my blog, sometimes I'll see a comment or a post on the forum, and be like, I don't feel like talking today. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna let that slide till tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's it's challenging, but you got to do it. You got to keep going, right? Unless you are on a schedule break, <laughs> you got to keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, that's like when I set up, um, just to say on my site, when I set up a calendar to tell people, hey, this is what I'm going to be doing. This is what I'm going to be doing. People really seem to appreciate that because they can see at yeah. a glance, this is what's coming up. This is what's happening. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes things so. Yeah, that transparency is just so key, and it just amazes me how so many developers, yourself included, clearly miss that key. You know, so kudos yeah. to you for being so <laughs> transparent with your, cause that's, I think, one of the big reasons you turned the big ways you turned the Steam story around. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, and I intend to continue turning that around and continue getting momentum for sure. Yeah, cause I mean, you have a, a decent for, let's be honest, space games are a niche, a very, a very, yeah. a, a very yeah. contained niche. And this game is like a very, is a niche within a niche. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. I get that. But but the you fact know. that you have a decent amount of reviews and, and Steam Spy says a decent amount of sales is very encouraging. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I obviously can't talk about sales. I'm not allowed to. But, um, of course. But, you know, I, I think um, 
uh, I think that there is room for expansion in the in the sales. <laughs> but um, you know, I think that I'm I'm pleased with where we got to so far. I, I you know, and I'm I'm determined to keep working at it and and keep making it a success. Now I forget. Did you take part in the uh, recent Steam sale, the Steam Summer sale? I did, but only very briefly because I only launched two weeks before. So I I uh, dropped by about I think it was ten percent. For the two weeks. That's fair. Now, did you see, did that, what kind of effect did that have? Because. Yeah, it did it, have an effect. It's definitely. It is fascinating how, how sales get people, like, I'll be honest, I bought a bunch of stuff yeah, <laughs> on the yeah. sale uh, that I wouldn't have otherwise. Mm. Yeah, but, it was good. Oh, it was good. Yeah, because it's, it's interesting. Even 10%, people are like, ooh, that's the lowest yeah. price it's ever been. You know, I'm going <laughs> to. Yeah, and I'm, I broke, I broke my promise to myself and bought one thing on the sale. Oh, What'd you buy? Well, well, <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure it was the Satellite Rain game. Oh right, yeah, because they just released co-op. Well, it's the well they released they had the beta before they did the co-op. So, and I was doing the the beta multiplayer stuff, which is, to be honest with you, uh, a lot of fun. So, cool. yeah, we'll have to get anyway. in on that at some point because I I just kind of got it, <laughs> you know, in the humble in the monthly humble bundle. Nice, um, cool. Yeah, I bought a bunch of stuff that I was not intending, but like, hey, this Roman game looks kind of awesome. Hey, <laughs> it's more than 50% off. It's never been this cheap. What? <laughs> it's kind of interesting how the psychologically the sale gets in your... It'll never be on yeah. sale again. I just know it. <laughs> I know. They're going to they're gonna run out of copies. They're clearly... Yeah, right. They have a limited <laughs> supply. They're going to run out. I have to get this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think my I think my favorite uh, model pricing model for any game is is something like Crusader Kings too. So the way that Jesus, the paradox right? do it, yeah, that's that that for me is like the nirvana of of you know where I want to get to because what they've done is you know I I saw that game and I saw oh wow look at that it's only nine pounds seventy four or whatever it is in the UK and you know, like fourteen bucks and I was like wow that's that's so much cheaper than the list price I'm definitely buying that but then you need this other DLC and this other DLC and then you're like before you know it you bought the, you spent the same amount of money I know I, and, I, and, and plus that game is awesome so you know I was I've I've clocked I don't know how many hours on on Steam over a hundred on that game so. You know, it's it's and a lot of the ideas from Soul Trader came from um, came from playing that game. So it's a great uh, game. I'm still wrapping my head around it, but yeah, yeah, I'm they they know people like me. Like, oh, it's not fully complete unless I have all the DLC, <laughs> huh? All right, yeah. I'll buy this yeah. new one. The Cossacks, sure, whatever. Yeah, I'll get <laughs> it. Because it's amazing yeah. how they do that. Like, because mm. one thing I have to because DLC is is kind of weird. Like some mm. things you have DLC which is purely cosmetic, and some yeah. ways you have DLC that actually like adds a ship or a race or. But then I love how the way Paradox is doing it. They have honest to goodness expansion packs. Yeah, right. Which is like Absolutely. which is like the old way, the old school way to do it, which I prefer. Like, mm. have you seen um, Endless Legend? The, I have seen it. I've not played it. Oh, it's great. But that's what Amplitude is doing is they have like two or three or, or the same with um, Age of Wonders 3. They have right. like these uh, clear expansion packs rather than just a race here or or some art. Sure. Here. And the thing with Crusader Kings, though, is they have they're burning it at both ends because not only do they have these expansion packs, they have some new music. Or some new yeah. art. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which I will. So it works for everyone, right? Exactly. I will never buy <laughs> the art for Crusader Kings, but I buy all of the expansion packs. Cause yeah, right. It's, yeah, right. Yeah. But yeah. it's it's interesting how they get both types of people. Yeah, and the um, the base game is so cheap. 
you know, it's always on sale. It's, you can always pick it up quite cheaply, but that's not, that's the hook, you know. Yeah, that, that's that, the free. That, that is, yeah, that's the free. <laughs> first one's for free. That's the first one that's for free. And yeah, the first game, yeah. like you can get it. It's, it's on sale. Uh, same with Europa Universalis. It's on sale all the time. Yeah. And, yeah. and then you look, it's like, oh my God, all this DLC. Oh my yeah. God. It's not as bad as like Train Simulator. Have you seen the DLC? <laughs> Oh my god! Like I could spend three thousand dollars on DLC and get every train in the world. What, what was it that came out on the like? They launched on Steam like all of their DLC like all at once one day, and it was just like you had to scroll through. I feel like what? it was uh, that Disney Infinity game. Yes, like, they like launched all their yes. DLC on the same day, and you had to scroll through like three pages of DLC or like stuff just to find. Yeah, 267 like, DLC items for Train Simulator. <laughs> <laughs> but How people buy fun? it. That's the amazing thing. Oh people, my goodness! So many people buy that stuff. It's people amazing. For everything. <laughs> well, you know, people don't have room for large train sets anymore. So it's true. That's that's why it's so appealing. Like if I had, if I was a multimillionaire, I'd probably get all that stuff because I love trains. I I probably would. I love trains. I, I, when Microsoft Train Simulator came out back in the day, that was like the first one of the big ones. Yeah. I was like, woo! Oh my god, this is so exciting! Sure. Awesome. Oh my god, so, so you're planning DLC. Are you planning any kind of, so is this DLC like more traditional DLC or is it actually like an honest to goodness expansion pack? It'll be both. So, so, oh. um, initially probably it'll be the easy stuff because that's just easy to get out there. So it'll be extra ships and extra missions and things like that, mission packs. But, but, um, that stuff is very modular. You can plug that stuff in. It's also very easy to mod in your own, which is quite cool. But, um, the, uh, the expansions, I mentioned ownership. I mentioned aliens. Uh, I mentioned maybe other places. So those are the kind of more expansion end of things that I want to look at. But that probably won't be for several months. Uh, you know, I need to, I need to get what I'm doing done first, and you know, finish off filling in some of the gaps in the gameplay, and then, then we'll be ready to go. You know, with all the social interaction that you've got going on in this game, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull Jim's card out of the, uh, the deck and say this game's better than Elite. Hell, <laughs> I like it because the, the thing I didn't like about Elite, and Elite's just a breathtaking game, and one of my. One of my friends um, is really heavily involved in the industry in that game, so so um, I'm I'm willing it on, and I and I love um, I love the graphics. I love the fact that you can fly into a space station and land at your little kind of dock with a little tower, and I just love all of that. I just think that's so immersive. But um, the thing that I found um, I felt that I wanted to do in that game was was not scroll through menus. I wanted to talk to real people. I want to talk to people with their past, and, and that's really where the inspiration for this came from. It's like, you know, in actually from Frontier Elite 2, when I saw that that um, random graphic of some person up there, I was like, who is that person, and why do I care? You know? Right. So this is that game. This is the uh, that's the idea. I don't know if you've played it recently, but they're kind of working in that direction with their new oh, mission I, system. I haven't played the recent mission system though. No. Oh, the new mission system. You're actually talking to a person who gives you a job to do. And, right, to, I, and it's true. There, there, there is that new feature, but I still feel that there is a lack of like interest there. It, they, yeah. They've made it. They, they're making it better. And I, and I, I do love Elite because it is, it is a beautiful game and it is a great space flying sim. Yeah. Um, but there, there is still, and we know, we know some people too that hang out in our Slack chat that are actually part of the development team mm. with that as well. But, um. I just, I, you know, it's just one of those things where I, where I see a game as, as flushed out with like its interactions with all the other characters, and I think to myself, wow, that's, that's 
better than Elite. <laughs> mm. Oh, thanks. So, so I'm looking to add more of those interactions. Something I haven't mentioned that I've mentioned kind of half of the updates to the conversation system that are coming really soon, which is the kind of the, the I go, you go kind of, um, uh, style of bringing up topics and, and patience modifications. The other thing that I'm adding is stats, stats-based checks to conversations. So uh, I have one test one in there, which is challenging someone to an arm wrestle in a, in a bar. Basically, that's my, that's my test. You're, you're, um, you're going all, oh, what, what was that Sylvester Stallone movie, <laughs> Over the Top? You're going all over the top on this? Yeah, slightly. Yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to have it up slightly. My, my, model is kind of, my model is kind of um, Star Wars, really. So this game takes its cues in terms of it, it it takes it's not that serious you know it, it takes its cues from kind of larger than life characters you know kind of shooting each other in bars you know who shot first all of that you know um uh it's that kind of thing it's, it's slightly caricatured and um that that's something that's in there it's um so basically it checks to see whether or not first it does a wisdom check to make sure that the other character is is actually up for this um and if they're not then they immediately think you're an idiot but um but if they if they are if you if they do it and then you it's basic classic strength be strength and then if you win they think you're cool basically and and that's like a test one I've got in there but I have a, about fifteen on my list of of extra interactions like that and those are just the ones I thought of straight away so so there's a whole bunch of other stuff coming um, in terms of kind of stats based interactions and also the other piece to that which is coming probably one point two is improvement of stats through missions, which um, kind of feeds back into the game through that. So so those kind of bits where the gameplay's been a little bit missing is um, is definitely going to be fixed and improved. Oh, so you're adding more of like a more traditional role-playing type of... Yeah, I think so. I think um, I, I kind of realized that this game, at its heart, is kind of an RPG, really. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. It's definitely an element. It's not like a... It's not a JRPG, it's not a classic RPG, but there is definitely an RPG-like element to it. I didn't really want to get into the whole XP and levels, but I wanted to be able to improve yourself. I mean, that's part of what you want to do in the game. I wanted to be able to to allow players to create the best character as well as just buy the best ship. So I do want to add that element. Now, if you don't like that kind of thing, you could ignore it. You know, you could just go and do what you're doing. But I think that there's some untapped potential in there that I want to exploit. That sounds like super. Oh, that, I mean, that, I mean, I never thought the game was missing like piece. Well, except maybe the map, but I never yeah. thought the game was missing like other pieces. Like it felt so complete already. But to to to, to find that you're going to be adding like stat based stuff like that just makes it even more fleshed out and more yeah. fascinating. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I don't feel like it's finished yet. Now I've had the feedback from the original. I was like with some glaring some glaring stuff in 1.0 that wasn't there. I'm just like, actually, no, this isn't done yet. I want to get this done. So, um, you know, at some point I'll be happy with it and then I'll, I'll be done, but, but that's not yet. Well, it, Very nice. it seems like a good bunch of people are happy with it because people are playing it right now. I'm seeing on steam, which is awesome. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, we, we're always, there's always someone playing it and there's always someone giving feedback, which is great. And, and I have some extremely helpful beta testers on the community who have just been amazing. Like, I've got a couple of guys who will just take take a build and, and check every aspect of it and play through an entire game. Whenever I send a build, uh, one guy will just be like, oh, yeah, I'll just play through a whole new game with this build. You know, he's clocked more hours on Steam than I have. I mean, obviously, my hours don't get tracked in the same way. But, um, you know, uh, you know, he's he's just uh, done a stack of work on it, and that's been really, really helpful. Speaking of Steam, I wanted to ask you kind of a side question. Uh, you mentioned earlier that you can queue up builds. Yeah. Can you do that on Steam? You could, like, queue up so, builds? 
So no, so that's not quite what I meant. So Sorry. Um, when I was queuing up changes, what, what that meant was that I have a build system, which which when I push new code to the server, what happens is that it downloads it from GitHub and it, it basically um, builds it for all three platforms. So uh, builds it for Windows, Mac and Linux. Um, I have a Linux laptop, which belongs to my son, which is he, he kind of doesn't know it, but it's uh, also one of the build slaves for the game. So that goes and builds the Linux version. And then I have a Mac Mini, which builds the Mac version, and a Windows PC, which builds the Windows version. And they all get run via Jenkins, which is like a build coordination system. And then that automatically uploads to a preview branch on Steam. So those people who have the beta password on Steam can get that build straight away. Now, that's entirely automatic. So um, when wow. I said I queued up builds, what I mean is that I have one out for what people are testing in preview. I have another set of changes that are being built, and I have you know another set of changes on my laptop that just need to be pushed up. That I haven't quite done with yet. So you know when I said I had a builds for the weekend, what I meant is that um, the build that went out on Friday was like three builds old, and then there was one coming that I was going to release on the Saturday, and then I logged in briefly Sunday morning just to push another one live, and that was it. Um, oh, okay. So it's more just kind of there was constant changes streaming up from the server. Now I don't normally work like that. Normally I work on like a development version, which I'm I usually have in pieces sort of metaphorically and it's all kind of it needs a lot of testing and there are crashes in it and that and then i have a stable version which i fix bugs on and then they 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 are handled slightly differently um but yeah so so steam just allows you to to push a new build out and it also allows you to set a branch hope i'm not breaking any ndas here but it allows you to set up one of those builds as a beta uh, version and a one as a kind of live version uh, so you can um uh, so basically you can choose which uh, which build goes out to which people. It allows you to, to send some builds off to just test with a small group. I think you have the password, actually. And um, other people who, um, who like, have the public uh, bought copy, they get a build once all the bugs have gone. Uh, okay, because it's interesting that we t- when we talk to developers, we, like, seem to learn a little bit more about how the back end of Steam works for mm-hmm. developers. Because sure. there's a sure. lot we still don't know about how that works. Yeah, sure. So... Um, so in very broad terms, um, because one of the rules about Steam is that you don't talk about how Steam works. The rules of Steam is you don't talk about Steam. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, the <laughs> first rule of Steam Club is you don't talk yeah, about yeah, Steam Club. Uh, unfortunately, that is actually true. But um, <laughs> just why developers are a little bit cagey because they're like, I don't want to be kicked off Steam. That would be a disaster. But anyway, um, the way that uh, the way that it basically works is that you you send a bill to Steam, and they um, uh, you can mark it as either uh, with a with a label basically and you can set a password for a particular label so you, if i give you a password for for a particular label you'll get that build and you can set that to be an, an any build you like that you've uploaded so so what i tend to do is i tend to upload a new build and then um people who have got the um password set on their on their um on their version of the game in steam will automatically get the update and everybody else in the world who has the game doesn't get it until i actually set it live for everybody else so, so what I do use that for is to send a build out to a few people just to say, okay, could you just play this through? Are there any crash bugs? Does it actually start on your machine? All of that kind of stuff. And then it goes live. Because with a, when you're just one guy, you don't get the resources of a publisher or with, or, um, or a big shop with all the compatibility stuff and the QA teams to make sure that all works. So, so I use Steam to distribute those builds out to, to kind of various people around the world who help me test it. Yeah, it sounds like from what we've been learning, it's pretty flexible. It's for, really good for developers for stuff like that. Yeah, once you've got it set up, and I have it automated now, which is the best decision ever. Any developers listening, automate your build process because 
because um you know when you when you're working on a change late at night you don't want to be typing in the same commands to steam every every time because you're going to screw it up and then you're going to screw up your build for everyone right so uh you know doing it in scripts which happen automatically when you send code is brilliant so all i have to do is make a change i upload it. i just did one this morning i upload it it takes about 20 minutes and it's already in on all three platforms live on steam for my preview testers and then in order to make that live for everybody i ha- it's like a you log into the web page and it's, a, it's like a two minute you know send this build live and you're done it's as simple as that how much work does it entail to those scripts to, to automate the whole thing uh it probably took me maybe a day and a half couple of days so it was um it was a little bit of work um i had a linux build to get working as well so that took another day or two actually you know it depends on how you architect your app but but as long as you've done that well that's not too bad um and then uh yeah probably a day or two but it was the best two days I spent uh, a couple months ago because it, it's just paid for itself over and over again. Damn. So any developers listening, do do what Chris says and automate your stuff because that sounds yeah. like a real time and sanity saver. It is because you don't want to be typing that stuff in when you're under pressure for a launch and there are bugs, crash bugs in your build. You don't want to be putting yourself under the pressure of typing in the commands into Steam because you have there's a bunch of stuff you have to type into Windows to a windows prompt and you don't want to be typing that stuff in and making mistakes you know you don't want to get that wrong and you know humans being humans you do that a hundred times you're going to make a mistake you know there's no no way way you could avoid it Um, and the other reason i did it is because i'm on mac and at the moment um uh some of that's some of those steps require windows you know it's 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 cross-platform so so there's a sense where you have to uh, you know, I have to use three different platforms in order to make this work. So there was no way I was going to manually build a Linux version and manually build a Mac version, manually build a Windows version and upload all of those to Steam. That would have been a horrible nightmare. And I certainly couldn't have released 10 builds in 10 days if I was doing that. All right. So we got to kind of wrap up here soon because I got to get to work. But I just wanted to ask because we, we try and talk about not only the game you're working on, but we try and talk about what we're playing. Uh, sure, so sure. Uh, what Besides your game, clearly, what are you playing right now? So the games that I'm most interested in, let me answer that question. Are, that works, um, too. Yeah, so uh, I, I, I'm i looking at all sorts of different things at the moment, mostly for kind of research purposes, uh, because um, uh, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at other projects. I'm looking at thinking what's next. You know, uh, obviously, there's a lot to do be done on Soul Trader, but I've got to be thinking three, four years away, too. So I'm looking at VR. I'm, I'm progressively more interested in that. I would... Um, I'm looking at uh, games like the new Battle Zone on VR. That looked really cool. Um, I'm looking at um, Stellaris. I would love to give a proper go um, because I just I just think it's so cool. I love the thematic. Wait, I love Paradox games. Wait for I the DL- Wait, wait for the DLC on that one. Let me just tell you yeah, right now. Because the mid okay. game just the early game is fun, and then when yeah, you, it looks great. Then when you get to the mid game with the sectors, it kind of just goes. Uh, so. So at least that was my experience. I haven't played it since because I'm waiting for more sure. DLC as well. But uh, yeah, the mid game is the, the breadth that I saw in the exploration and discovery looked great fun. It I is fun. It is that part is fun. But then you get to a point where it's like, oh, you have so many colonies now. We're going to force you to make it into a sector. Like what? Uh, Why? Uh, I was enjoying this. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, that's cool to know. So that one, you know, that looks really fun. Um, another game that I like, I really like the look of, is actually completely different. It's a game called Overcooked, which is a four-player um, cooperative kitchen game where you have to prepare. Um, I know this sounds crazy. It's on the PS4, I think. 
And um, it's written by a couple of guys uh, who I bumped into at Rest in the UK. And um, it was uh, it's just the most awesome game. Basically, you get a bunch of recipes. You have to make a hamburger. So some guy needs to chop the lettuce. Another guy needs to chop the tomatoes. Then another guy needs to put them together. Then um, they have to make the burger and they have to ship it off. It, so, but, but watching it being played is so fun. Okay, th- so, it's um, coming. Well, out, if it's, you like that, it's coming to Steam. Like, by the way, it's coming to Steam. Yeah, yeah, ne- early next out. month. I was yeah, gonna yeah. say What's though, it? if you Let's like see. that though, you should try and check out Space Food Truck because it's almost the almost uh, the same okay. thing. Yeah, I, I haven't looked at that, but I will check that out. Yeah, that. But I just, I just loved, I fell in love with that game. Um, this does look and, pretty uh, I goddamn to, can awesome. I another one, which is isn't is potentially embarrassing. Um, Pokemon Go. You know what? I did play that for a while, and then I saw all the permissions it wanted on my Android phone, and I'm like, no, delete. Like, you don't need all my contacts, Pokemon Go. I'm sorry, delete. You know? <laughs> I don't yeah, think I should ask for those, but anyway, I'm not sure. <laughs> it, it does require quite a bit of permissions for unknown reasons. As a matter of fact, I think there is uh, like a, a senator or a congressman here in the States was asking, you know, why why is this program asking for so much information for pe- from yeah, people? Sure. Yeah, you know, it just was like it, it doesn't make it doesn't make sense. So I'm I'm as a security guy myself and I work in IT, I ask these questions myself and wonder, hmm. Yeah. I tell you why. The reason I like it is because it gets my 12-year-old son out of the house. Um, this is so true. Went, this is true. We went Pokemon hunting the other day. It was great fun, you know. So, so for me, that's the reason I'm playing that game. Yeah, that is most of my kids. At least that's what I'm telling myself. No, that is the big. Uh, that is the big deal with it because, um, excuse me, because uh, you know, it's getting all these people outside. But it's, it's really yeah. kind of adorable because, like, there's a park near us that has like four, no, six Pokestops. And a, nice. and a gym, so there are people there all the time. We usually go there just to yeah. walk, but there are people there all the time, and you see fathers and sons, you see families, you see teenagers. See, hanging. That, that for me is why it's cool. That 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 I really well, kind of did. Did you, did you guys see the video from from New York and Central Park? Yes. Aurora, Aurora Pokemon <laughs> spawned, and like two thousand um, people just like showed up, and were like, it's in the middle of the night. I'm like, oh my yeah. god. That's so dangerous. <laughs> I wouldn't go there. Oh, yeah, you know, um, a anyway. girl got hit by a car. Two guys fall off a yeah. cliff. Two guys fall off a cliff. <laughs> what? Why? What? Pay attention. Like, that just, like, Some when, a game is, has, <laughs> when a game is ushered in so much carnage. <laughs> girl found a dead body. <laughs> yeah, two dead bodies, right? I don't know yeah, if there's two, made two the separate cliff. times. Wait, there's what? I only heard about the one, first one. one. There's oh, another God. one. Oh, God. And there was a story about some teenage kids who got lost in caves. Like, but they were they weren't just any old caves. They actually turned out to be part of like a secret nuclear in, attack installation for the UK government. <laughs> and they wandered into them looking for Pokemon. And the police were like, uh, "What are you doing?" <laughs> and they're like, "Just looking for Pokemon." And they're like, oh, yeah, really. What are you doing here? <laughs> and and then they got lost. And then the people had to um, they had to they had to call the fire service and get them out. Oh, it was brilliant. It was a great. Yeah, they're, all, they're all fine. Why well, it's a great story. <laughs> well, it's just like there's been videos released where people are like, "All right, here's how you play Pokemon Go safely." When there's a no trespassing sign, that yeah, literally right. means no trespassing. Yeah, Stay yeah. out of it. I don't care yeah. if there's a rare Pokemon over yeah, there. People are used to seeing those in Fallout Four, and they think, "Oh, it's fine." <laughs> you know, we just walk over those. <laughs> Right, because people, it's an interesting social phenomenon which fascinates me. Because, I mean, Soul Trade is all about relationships, right? I'm fascinated by sociology and those kind of ideas and getting people to game together. So, so yeah, that's what I'm interested in right now. 
What about you, Hunter? What are you playing? Um, well, I, I took it upon myself because I was thinking about uh, a lot of games that are out right now and games that I already have. Because you know, as you know, Brian and I know, we have quite the extensive backlog. Of, it's a col- of games. it's a collection. It's not a backlog. Right. It's a collection. Well, it's, it's both. It's both, right? So I've got I've got tons of physical copies of games, and I've got thousands yeah. of, of of games on Steam, uh, GOG, Origin, UPlay. I mean, you name it. I've got games everywhere. Um, so I decided to go through my backlog, and I thought to myself, what's a game that I've had for a very long time that I've been meaning to play that I'd really just just sit down, install it, and play it. And that was Star Trek Elite Force 2. So that's, that's the one that I'm playing right now. I, uh, I've actually never beaten it. I beat the first one and the expansion. Um, I, I rather enjoyed it. Um, it's, it's made with, uh, a, a version of the Quake engine, um, from, from the early 2000s. And, uh, as a few games were, as a matter of fact, uh, some of the, like the Star Wars, the, like the Jedi Knight games, uh, from then were, I think, also made with a similar engine. It was uh, yeah. a very, it was a very robust engine. You could like a lot of a lot of developers. Mm, used it. Engine was great. Yeah. And so, I, I uh, I've, I've been really enjoying uh, going back through. I streamed a little bit on Saturday. Uh, some of the early uh, part of the missions for um, Elite Force Two, and so I'm gonna keep playing through that. Uh, hopefully in a, in a stream format because I'd really like to, to document my experience with it, um, and hopefully finish it. I'd really I'd really like to finish it. I'm I actually. Um, as cheesy as it is, because it it is very showing of its time from from when it was made, not just because of the engine, but uh, you know some of the dialogue and just kind of uh, uh, how it is. It does have voice actors though from like Patrick Stewart, so he he, he reprises his role as uh, Captain Picard, and uh, so I, I've um my my one right now that I'm actually really enjoying is um, Elite Force Two. We so. should see. If- Though I'm saying we should see if we can get that working in multiplayer and do a Thursday thing with it. Yeah, and here's the other cool thing that I really liked about the Elite Force games, uh, especially back when I was playing the first one, was is the modding community came out with several really great mods that you could um, play with the game, and they weren't really uh, like necessarily multiplayer mods or um, like um, skin mods or anything like that. They were actually like map mods of ships that you could just go load up in, like, a multiplayer thing and just, like, explore the ship in, like, full-scale versions of some, you know, Federation ship that you could actually just go through and explore and wander around and check out the holodeck and check out this. And even when I was playing Elite Force 2, I got lost. They are like, go here. And I was like, all right. And I was actually looking at the map, and it's like, you are here, like, on on a ship panel. It tells you where you are. And I'm like, all right, so if I go this way and then take a left, that should get me to the armory or wherever it is. And I'm like, that's not where the armory is at. I got lost. <laughs> and it was, you know, it was a fun experience. I actually was rather enjoying, you know, because they actually build these big ship, you know, decks and stuff like that. Yeah, so. if I recall, that's one of the big selling points of Elite Force 2 is that, like, I think it's an entire Intrepid class ship is modeled in there. No, well, the first one it was the Intrepid class. Oh, okay. The new one, you're actually on the Enterprise E. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it's like a lot of it. It's like quite a bit of it. Maybe the whole thing. Uh, so yeah, I I, I, yeah. I installed it the other day because you did. I hadn't really played it much. I got it on eBay finally, and like I was really happy that it just installed. You know, it's just, <laughs> yeah. You know, me, You know, I've I finally upgraded to Windows 10, unfortunately, and I uh. 
I, I installed it and I was like, wow, this works right out of the box. How old is this game? I know, That's, exactly. It's, like, it's so many older games, it's like, okay, I gotta install it, set compatibility to whatever, blah, blah, blah. Patch, blah, blah. Like a community patch, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But this is like, boom. Oh, and by the way, uh, apparently one of our old podcast guests, uh, Chris Stockman worked on it. We're gonna have him back. Who knew? We're gonna yeah, have, who knew? we should just make that Elite Force two week. Like we'll have him on the podcast on Tuesday, then we'll play it on Thursday. Why oh. not? Why not? Um, finally for me, I guess, I got a couple of Aegeod, uh, war games. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Aegeod. They make kind of unusual subject matter war games, like the Russian Revolution, for example. And so I got a couple of those because they were really cheap on the Steam sale, but their tutorials were just garbage, like absolute garbage. So someone's like, no, if you play this other game that has a better tutorial called Rise of Prussia, which I got in a bundle, uh, you'll kind of get it. So I played that and Birth of America 2, Wars in America. So good. So hard. Like so hard, <laughs> but so good. But so I guess you can say that about a lot, <laughs> a lot of things. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of what I've been playing. And, uh, Soviet Monsters Ectro Plans came out. I'm going to start playing that soon. That's that kind of management sim game with those, uh, Soviet air skimmer things. You know what I'm talking about? It just came out. So I'm going to be playing that. So there's a lot of good stuff to play right now besides Soul Trader, but Soul Trader is also a good one. <laughs> Yes. Yes, Hunter. I uh, actually had another one. I forgot that I was I was dabbling in for a little bit, which was uh, Empyrean Galactic Survival, and it's um it's a survival crafting game similar to Minecraft Space Engineers that genre of game. Um, but they they've recently overhauled uh, recently within the past six months sometime <laughs> they overhauled their system, and uh, I've picked it up and I started playing and I got involved in a little community in there. They definitely have some interesting mechanics going on. And, and uh, one thing that I was actually really surprised by was is their implementation of NPC spawn sites. So, mm-hmm. like, you can actually go and explore these planets and they'll have, like, a crashed derelict ship or they'll have, like, a, a pirate base. And it's got full-on NPCs that you'll have to, like, fight off and... Um, then you can go and like take over the base and it becomes like little, um, fun objectives that you can actually go and do. So there's a, there's a massive PVE element that I have yet to really see with something like space engineers, for example. Mm, so. Interesting. All right. Well, we gotta, ra- we gotta wrap this up. So folks, uh, next week, just a real quick on the podcast, we are bringing back our friend Joe Mastriani from the upper memory block podcast to talk about classic legacy gaming computing hardware. Like, for example, because of him, I just got a Roland MT32, you know, that old thing. So uh, we're going to be talking about all kinds of stuff like sound blasters. I just got two Voodoo 2 cards because I'm planning on building a a legacy PC. Wow. I know, right? SLI, baby. <laughs> Voodoo 2 SLI, wow. like the actual – I'm so excited. It's gonna. I'm building wow. like a – it's going to be like a Windows 98 SE machine plus a couple of other OSs I'm planning out. So, yeah, we're going to be talking about that. And we're back at a regular time of uh, 5.30 Pacific next week. And Thursday, uh, for the streaming, uh, it looks like right now in the poll, RimWorld is winning by a landslide right now. I've, I voted for it. Yeah, <laughs> I've never actually played it. Apparently, it's very crazy and very scary, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, so, uh, Chris, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us. You are uh, on what I'm sure is a busy day working on Soul Trader. Go- guys, again, the game is Soul Trader. It's on Steam right now for 19.99. American. 
it is an amazing game of of uh, relationship management. It, it's got space flight, it's got combat, it's got all that stuff, but the core of it is managing relationships, and it's just fascinating to see how that all works. So you should definitely check it out. Uh, Chris, I want to thank you for coming on again and uh, talking to us about your game, and we'll definitely have to have you back once you reach some more milestones, sure, uh, yeah. some more some more DLC. D- DLC, expansions. All that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we'll definitely have right. to have you back. So folks, thank you so much for listening. Hunter, thank you for uh, being able to join me. I hope your wife is okay with the gallbladder thing. Yeah, she's doing good. Good, just good. you know, recovering. Right, but I, but yeah, that that's a little loopy. <laughs> is she is she on painkillers and and stuff? Yeah, um, hydrocodone. Good oh, stuff. oh no. <laughs> but folks, thank you so much for listening, and uh, we will see you next week. Have a good one. Bye bye. Let's have some music in here, Boiler. Sure thing. <laughs> Yeah.